We've been discussing some, some pretty grim, some pretty heavy topics lately. Risking your life to save the lives of others. Cannibalism as opposed to eating non-kosher food. Turning somebody over to the enemy so they can molest him or kill him. If the alternative is having everyone killed. We're going to discuss tonight a somewhat less weighty and dark topic. We are going to discuss nose rings, earrings and nose rings and body piercing. One of my favorite things in Parashas Chayesara is Rivka's nose ring. Rivka gets a nose ring as a gift from the servant of Avram, Evan Avram. He's never actually referred to as Eliezer, although the Midrashim teach us that he's Eliezer, and every child knows that the protagonist of this week's parasha is Eliezer. He's never actually mentioned by name in the parasha. He's referred to as Evan Avram, or the Ish. But the servant of Avram, Eliezer, gives Rivka a nose ring. He gives her other jewelry as well. He gives her bracelets. But these gifts, the nose ring and the bracelets, are mentioned no fewer than three times in Parshas Chayesara. My favorite, my favorite item in Parshas Chayesara. First time it says that when he meets the girl after his prayer and she offers, he asks her for water and, he, and she offers him water, he's uh, elated, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's so excited that his prayer to Hashem to find him someone to answer his prayer is, is fulfilled. Says when kasher kilu lishtos when the camels finished drinking, nezem zav took a nezem zav nezem will translate for now as nose ring but we'll discuss that soon. two bracelets on her hands, and he gave her these gifts. The gifts are mentioned the second time when it says that Rivka ran to tell her brother Lavan about her encounter with with this man. Lavan came out. It says, When he saw the nezem, the nose ring, and the bracelets, When he heard what Rivka said, Lovin went out to greet him and invited him in. This is a man who has, comes bearing gifts. I want him in my house. Lovin invites him in. Third time these gifts are mentioned, when the Ebed Avram is sitting down to eat with, uh, they offer him food, and he says, I want to tell you my whole account of my journey, my adventures. So he recounts the whole story, because I'll famously point out that uh, how beloved the, the Sicha of the Avde Avos, the relatively trivial conversation of this, even the servants of the patriarchs is, is more precious to Hashem than, than, than the Torah itself. There are many halachists that are just alluded to very, very tersely, very briefly, and here we have uh, the whole story of the Ever Avram, and the whole story repeated again with certain variations when he tells the story to Lovin and Besuel. Okay, so the third time when he recounts the story, he says, Voyashalos of Omar Basmiat. I asked the, the girl, I asked Rivka, who are you? In the original narrative, it doesn't say he asked her. It just says that he took the, it, 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 said, it just says that he gave the, it just says that he, he first gave her the gift, and then he says he, he asked, who are you? But here he reversed the order. Some say it's uh, just the style of the, of the way it's written, I think, and some say that he wanted to appear more prudent and less of a uh, credulous uh, religious person. He wanted to appear to Basul and Lavan like a more, uh, like a more of a you know, careful and, uh, and prudent individual, so he said he asked first, even though he really had Bitachan and Hashem. Okay, but either way, he said, I asked her, who are you? And I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her hands. Three references to the bracelets and the nose ring. Well, I, keep, I keep translating nezem as nose ring. 
throughout Tanakh, Nezem can sometimes mean earrings, the Mepharshim say, and sometimes it can mean nose rings. We don't really have, I don't think, an equivalent word in, in English, that, that, at least not that I know of, that can mean have both those meanings. We have the general term ring, but in Hebrew that would be tabas. Tabas is the general word for ring. But a specific word that means either a nose ring or an earring, I'm not sure what that would translate to in, in English, but in Hebrew the word nezem, nezem is not used to mean a finger ring. Nezem is used to mean either a nose ring or a, an earring. Ibn Ezra says, Ibn Ezra says, yesh nezem shubaf, gambozen. There are nose rings and then there are earrings. So most of the commentaries I saw in our tradition seem to assume that this was a nose ring. And the reason for that is because even though the first two times it doesn't say. The first time it just says he took a nezim and he gave it to her. Second time it says he saw the nezim and the bracelets on, on Rivka's, uh, Rivka's hands. It doesn't say where the, where the nezim was. But the third time it says, Vasim ha nezim al apa. I placed the nezim al apa, which means nose. So generally means nose. So that's why most commentaries that I've seen, Trent, including the Art Scroll translation, say that, it, say that the nezim here is a nose ring. Interestingly, the King James Version, the classic uh, English translation, Christian English translation of Tanakh, says it was an earring. Uh, the first time they translate Nezim as earring. The second time they translate it as earring again. The third time where it says, even the third time where it says, Appa, it says, I put the earring upon her face. So Appa can sometimes mean uh, face, I think in Hebrew also. And they seem to think it was an earring. I don't know why, but... In Armasara, it seems to be pretty, uh, pretty consistently understood as a nose ring. We mentioned Ibn Ezra. Ibn Ezra says Nezem can mean... Right, exactly. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that in a moment. That's what we're about to get to that. So the, the, the question is, did they even know what a nose ring was in 16th century England? So Ibn Ezra says, as we mentioned before, there are no, Nezem can include, can encompass nose rings and earrings. He says, Shal Ha'af, what is a nose ring? How do you wear it? He says, Yered me'al pasil kosher b'metzach. There's a ribbon around the forehead, and the, nose ring des- and the nose ring descends and hangs down from the ribbon around the forehead. The Ezra does not, does not understand that it's a pierced nose like an earring. He understands that it's a ring that hangs over the nose from a ribbon around the forehead. Rabbi Yosef Tov Elam, one of the medieval super commentaries of Ibn Ezra, author of the Tzafnas Panach, not the more famous one, by the, the, the more modern one by the Ragachar, this is the medieval Tzafnas Panach. It's considered one of the most important early super commentaries on Ibn Ezra. He explains what Ibn Ezra is doing and what he means and what motivated him to say things. He says over here that, what, what how he just said, he said, Rabbi Avram wrote this commentary, tells you what city it was in, he, based on Ibn Ezra's own comments, where, where he wrote the, the Pirish Torah, he says, this, he wrote it after he had emigrated from Spain to Eretz Yisrael, but he had not seen, he had not yet seen that the Benos Yishmael, Arab women, Hayoshim and Mitzrayim, that live in Egypt and Eretz Yisrael, actually pierce their noses. They bring Nizamim in the nose. They put it in the nose. That they, they, they have Nekavim Shenikvas Ba'af. They, they pierce their nose like they pierce their ears. Ibn Ezra didn't know that. He hadn't seen nose rings. For him, it was just inconceivable that somebody would have a pierced nose. He was puzzled, what does it mean to have a nose ring? So he said it hangs from a ribbon. But the Tzafras Panach is saying, the correct shot on the Pasuk is, it was in the Arabic, Middle Eastern style of pierced, pierced nose. That's what Rivka had. She had a nose ring like people wear nose rings today. Jumping ahead a few centuries later, Shadal, Shmuel David Lutzato, 
the, he, he comments in the 19th century, like Ibn Ezra, Nezim can mean nose ring or earrings. He says here it is a nose ring. What does that mean? He also wasn't apparently very familiar with nose rings in the, in the sense of pierced noses. This is already 19th century. He says, Das Rosenmiller. Rosenmuller is apparently Ernst Friedrich Karl Rosenmuller, a scholar of the Bible, that they used to pierce their noses and put, it, and put nose rings in. He says, and also Niebauer, I don't know who Niebauer is, also saw that Arab women do that. So again, Shadal also was not familiar with uh, pierced noses, but he says, the scholars tell us it's an Arabic custom and an Arabic practice, and, uh, and that's John of the Pasuk. Nizme Ha'af, nose rings are mentioned several other places in Tanakh. Earrings are mentioned in other places as well, but focusing on the nose rings for the moment, in Yeshaya, in Perak Gimel, so the, the, Navi, the Navi is predicting calamity for Yerushalayim. Hashem will remove and strip all its adornments, all the beautiful things that it has, and it gives example, it gives a kind of a long list of different items of jewelry and beautiful things. Hashem will strip them all away from Yerushalayim. On that list is hatabos, rings, v'nizme ha'af, and nose rings. What does that mean? So Yosef Kara tells us, just as we hang in our place, we hang rings from the ears, so too in Eretz Yishmael, like the Tzafras Panach said, like that so too in Eretz Yishmael, in Arabic countries, they, they pierce the nose, and they hang nose rings from them, and they are called Nizme Ha'af. So even though, again, he's also European, he didn't see this, uh, this wasn't what his women did, but he knew it, he knew that that's what they did in Oriental countries, in, East, in, in, in the Middle East. Another reference to a nose ring is in Yechezkel, in Cheskel, we, we have the common metaphor where the Navi compares the relationship of a Baruch Hu and the Jewish people to a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, and the husband, treat, husband a Baruch Hu, treats the wife well and gives her all kinds of luxuries and good things, and the woman, nevertheless, betrays him and strays from him and is not faithful to him. We do have a desire. So, in Paschim Yecheskel says, this is in Perak Tezai, in Paschim Beis, that when it's listing all the things that the man, the husband, did for the woman and the wife, it says... It says, nezem alapech, I placed a nezem on your nose, Vagilim aloznayach, and and rings in your ears, so I put a nose ring on your nose and earrings in your ears, Vateras Tiferes Baroshek and a beautiful crown on your head, and uh, it didn't it didn't end well. Here, incidentally, the King James translates, I put a jewel on thy forehead. So they're still translating Apech as uh, as head, as forehead, not nose. But here, at least they don't translate earring. Here, at least they say jewel. I'm not sure why they translate it. Uh, they, 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 again, they, they didn't know about nose ring, so they don't translate nose ring, but in, in our Pasuk, they translated it as uh, earrings. Here, they just say a jewel on the forehead. Okay. It can't be earring here, because as the Mepharshim point out, the second part of the Pasuk says, Vagilam al So it would be silly to translate uh, Nezem as, 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 as identical to Agilam's. Here, they were forced to translate Nezem as a jewel, but they still couldn't conceive that it would be a nose ring. Here we find Rabbi Shaya Mitrani, one of the one of the famous Rishonim. He says, like Ibn Ezra, he says that they did not pierce their noses. He, he also couldn't, as a European, he couldn't conceive anybody would pierce their nose. He says, Yesh Lomar, Bimetzachayukoshimoso, it was it was tied on the forehead, Yorid al Ha'af, it descended down over the nose. Ain Lafaresh, it can't be, they would actually pierce their nose, he says. Like animals do. Animals have rings in the nose. You know, they don't do that to people, he says. And it would hang down over the mouth, he says. That's not the way human beings go around. And it can't mean earrings, but it says, by Gilam So it's, uh, so he says, uh, he also says, like Ibn Ezra, 
that, uh, that, that it must mean a forehead ring that hung over the nose. Okay. So the bottom line is that there are, there are a handful of references in Tanakh to what seem to be nose rings. The fourth one is, is, uh, is um, it compares Nezim Zav, Af Chazir, a nose ring in the, in the snout of a, of a pig, is Isha Yafa Vesaras Tam, I think. That is a woman who is beautiful but uh, is lacking in character, lacking in morals. So it mentions also a nose ring, but uh, at least in a pig. But um, I'll call upon him. The, the Tanakh does seem to have the concept of nose rings. The Europeans, Jews and non-Jews, had, had a hard time imagining what that would mean because Europeans did not wear nose rings. So some of them just said, the Ezra and Rabbi Shaya Mitrani said it must have meant a ring that hung down from a ribbon of the head. Others, Zafras Paneach and Rabbi Yosef Kara, they, they were cosmopolitan enough, they knew that in Arabic lands and Middle Eastern lands, women did pierce their noses, and they therefore explained the Psukim and Tanakh, including the Pasuk of Rivka, to be referring to a, referring to a pierced nose. So for the remainder of our, of our talk tonight, I want to discuss body piercing in general from a halachic perspective, halachic and maybe a little broader than halachic. So today, even today, the primary organ I think that's pierced most commonly is still probably the ear. Other parts of the body have become more and more common, while in Ibn Ezra's time and Rishayim Mitrani's time, they couldn't even conceive as Europeans of pierced noses. Plenty of women today have pierced noses, pierced bellies, pierced uh, eyebrows, pierced tongues. Sorry? And men, yes. And, of course, piercing has become a, uh, a thing men do also. So people point out, in the time of Tanakh, men had pierced ears as well. There are, there are, there are, there are statements in Chazal about it, even statements in the Pesukim about it. In the parish of the Egel, it says that uh, Aaron, told them, Aaron told them to take the, get, get the earrings from the Bosnei, and Neshechem, from your children and wives. It says they took their own, apparently. So the people point out they seem to have, they seem to have men wearing earrings too. But yeah, so we'll discuss all this soon. But we have a long tradition, primarily in the Western tradition of ears. Even today, the, the most common, certainly for more conservative people, the most common part of the body that's pierced is still probably the ears. But it's become more and more common to pierce other parts of the body as well. So the question is, what does halacha say about body piercing? Sometimes they, sometimes they classify body piercing under the more general topic of body modification, different ways of altering the body. Does the Torah have an opinion about it? Is, it? is it okay? Is there anything wrong with it? Does it matter which part of the body? So in the 20th century, a number of poskim addressed this question. They raised various issues. One of the, one of the issues they raised, probably the, the primary, most substantial halakhic issue was the prohibition of chovel ba'atmo, self-harm. It is prohibited to inflict harm upon oneself. It's not quite an explicit verse in the Torah, but the Gemara derives it from, indirectly from various halachas. A famous derivation is from the law of Nazir. It says that a Nazir, a person who takes a vow to abstain from wine and coming into contact with, with, uh, with deceased human remains, remains of deceased humans, and uh, not cutting his hair, he brings a carbon chattas. When the, when the Nazirus is over, he brings a carbon chattas. So the Gemara asks, chattas? What chait did he do? So it says, according to one opinion, because he needlessly deprived himself of wine, which is an innocent pleasure, and that's considered a chait. And the Gemara says, if even depriving yourself of wine is a chait, certainly fasting, fasting unnecessary and superfluous fasts, 
is certainly a chait, and certainly actual self-harm, <coughs> cutting yourself, and so on, is, is certainly a chait, and that's the isser of chovel ba'atmo. It is accepted by the poskim, however we, whatever the, however we understand Nazir. There are very different approaches in Chazal and later, author, later commentaries to the Nazir, but the halacha accepts that self-harm is prohibited. You are not allowed to cause yourself harm. So a person takes a needle, or pays someone to take a needle and stick it through his ear, Maybe that should be prohibited as self-harm. So a number of poskim raise this question, and they pretty much all reject this. Again, there's a pretty strong uh, presumption that they're going to reject it because, A, because people have been doing this for hundreds of years, so it's a pretty well-established minhag, and B, because it's already recorded in Tanakh and in Chazal, so it's pretty hard to say that it's usher. But a number of poskim directly address the question. One is the Lubavitcher Rebbe, from Menachem Mendel Schneerson, in a letter... Someone asked him about making a nekev baznayim, a hole in the ears. He doesn't say if it was a boy or a girl, but probably it was a girl. Um, in order to put in earrings, mention Tanakh as normal, as Dabar Ragil, Shulchan Aruch, Arachayim, Helchashabbos talks of women wearing earrings outside and so on. So the, apparently it's mutter, but is it really mutter? What's, what's the pshat? Isn't it a question of chovel ba'atzmo? Says the Rebbe, it's mutter, and the reason is because the long-term, persistent pleasure, enjoyment a person gets from wearing earrings is vastly outweighs the, the, the momentary pain of piercing the air. Long-term pleasure and joy the woman gets from the person gets from wearing earrings outweighs the, the instantaneous momentary pain of piercing the air. Says the Rebbe, therefore, it's mutter even for an adult, and even though even though there are other forms of earrings that don't, that, that don't involve piercing, piercing the ears, clip-on earrings. Um, he says, why is it mutter? Because they're not so common. And primarily, he says, because then you have ongoing pain. Kvetchen heisen, pushing and squeezing the ears. My mother uh, endorsed this. She said she, 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 I think, did not pierce her ears, and she wear clip-ons. But A, she said the selection is, 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 the selection is very small, relatively small. The, you're limited to very few items as opposed to the, the much larger selection of pierced ear earrings, and they're, not, and they're not as nice, she said. And yes, you, A, you're limiting yourself very much, and yes, they are uncomfortable. The, the, they, 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 they push and, and squeeze the air. It's not, it's not comfortable. So the Rebbe says, given that wearing earrings, the pleasure you get uh, is much greater than the, than the pain of the piercing, and the alternatives are not really satisfactory. Therefore, he says, it is mutter. Okay. He says, so he thinks, he's pretty sure it's mutter, but he, he ends uh, somewhat uh, humbly, he says, Becholzos, Tishal Rav Marahara, ask a, ask a shyly, he says, ask a Rav. Okay. Ravavadi Yosef, Mentions pierced ears in in passing in a much longer in, in, a, in a long chuva, not on piercing but on plastic surgery. Plastic surgery, cosmetic cosmetic surgery, in particular elective plastic cosmetic surgery. We're not necessarily talking about someone who's badly disfigured, a burn or a scar, and, and wants to. We're talking about people who have you know, think their nose would look better if it was like this, or people who have you know something not not essential and they want to they want to change the way they look. So numerous posts come in the 19th century, in the 20th century, discuss whether this is mutter, and they discuss two or three issues. One issue is chovel ba'atzmo, you're cutting yourself, you're inflicting harm upon yourself. The second is danger, surgery is, is not uh, entirely risk-free. 
Some discuss the hashkafic issue. Is it really appropriate to uh, say that you have a better idea of how you should look than the Kosh Baruch who made you? But the primary two issues are the first two, the question of chovel ba'atmo and danger. Obviously, as with other areas of medical, medical practice, the danger was very much reduced as the, as the techniques improved, as, medical, as the medical science improved and techniques improved. It became less and less dangerous. It's not zero, but it's much less dangerous. That's why you don't find shallots about this before the 20th century, because before the 20th century, the pain and the danger would have been so great that probably very few people would be engaging in, 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 in elective plastic surgery. But in the 20th century, it became practical, and as the 20th century, uh, went, as the 20th century continued, it became safer and safer and more reliable. So a number of posts can address plastic surgery, including Ramosha Feinstein, Ravadi Yosef, Ritzel Isaac Libas, and Beisavi, and I believe the Mechaz Yitzchak, and the Tzitzeliezer, Blasio de Waldenberg. So most of them felt it was mutter, at least in, at least in certain cases. Sorry? Plastic surgery. The one great holdout was a Siciliazer who did not feel it was mutter, but he's, I think, very much the, the, in the minority here. Ravavadia felt it was mutter, and in the course of discussing the, the whole topic exhaustively, he, he, a, 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 a large part of the rationale, the, the primary rationale for allowing it is similar to what the Rebbe said about earrings, is because the gain a person gets from looking better from having a body that he feels is, 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 makes him happier outweighs the, the pain of the actual surgery. So Ravadia says, and when Ravadia is developing this principle, he says, I'll bring you proof. He says, I'll, I'll, he says look, look at the, the minog, he says. People pierce the air. That, uh, of girls, he says, in order to put in earrings, he says, nobody worries about chovel batmo there. That's also a kind of surgery. You're sticking a needle through the air, he says. Or either you're doing it, or the doctor's do, the nurse is doing it to you, he says. Why is a mutter? That's in their interests, and that's, that's part of their uh, beauty regimen to wear earrings and look pretty. So therefore, he says, you see, it's mutter. So maybe, maybe the, the plastic surgery is a, is a more uh, in, invasive kind of cutting, but it's the same idea. Just like earrings, like the Rebbe said, you're allowed to pierce your ear because the pleasure you get from being wearing earrings outweighs the momentary pain of the piercing. So too, the pleasure that you get from having a body or a face that you're happier with outweighs the, the pain of the surgery itself. That's what, so Baravadi also, in passing, takes for granted that, uh, of course, the minute is that people pierce their ears. Now, it's interesting. Baravadi says they pierce the alia. The alia, I think, is the soft, fleshy part of the ear. Today, people pierce the other parts of the ear as well. I think the cartilage as well. Would there be any difference? I don't know. It probably, I imagine it hurts a little bit more. I don't know, but the same logic might apply. If you want, I actually don't, I'm, I'm used to, I'm old-fashioned, I'm used to earrings and hair. When I see, if, when I see pierced ears up here, I find it a little bit off-putting, but I guess if some people like it, so if they like it, arguably the same, uh, the same logic would apply. Rabbi Ephraim Greenblatt, Ramosha's famous student, the author of the Rivas Ephraim. So Ephraim Greenblatt has a tshuva to Melach Shapiro, better known as Professor Mark Shapiro, a leading, uh, leading academic of Jewish studies today. So Shapiro asked Rabbi Fran Greenblatt, how can you make holes in your ears? What's the answer? So says Rabbi Fran Greenblatt, he, re- he refers right away to the plastic surgery discussion. Post can discuss whether plastic surgery Ramosh himself. His Rabbi Fran Greenblatt's Rabbi Ramosh has a tshuva about about uh, about uh, plastic surgery. 
Says Rephraim, Greenblatt. Sorry? Yes, right. Right, and he's proving uh, earrings from plastic surgery, right. So he says that it's the same idea, that you want a pair of stairs so the earrings should be uh, stable and be able to fit, uh, wear earrings, he says. There's, there's an argument that it's mutter because no blood comes out, he says. But the ichor is what we said, because it, 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 it's for, long, it's for the, the benefit outweighs the harm. He discussed it with many B'nai Torah. They all agreed that it was mutter. And, and so on. And then he goes on like that, and he says that the... He says that this is the basic idea. It's not chavala, he says. It's not nicker, he says. It's not, it's not, it's not really discernible. that You don't look like you're wounded, he says. And the whole thing is done for a constructive purpose and for yofi, for beautification. And all the women uh, agree, she'enza chavala, elatikun, that it's, a, it's an improvement, it's not considered harm. So therefore, he says it's mutter like the other post. Incidentally, his own Rebbe, maybe this is written before Ramosha's tshuva, his own Rebbe does not discuss earrings, but does discuss plastic surgery. Ramosha also is mekil, and largely on these grounds, based on the Rambam who says that the Isser of Chovel Basmo is only if you do it, there's a, there's a question about the Girsa, either it says if you, if you do it, Derech Nitzayon, Nun Sadi Yud Vav Nun, or Bizayon, Bezayon Yud Vav Nun, it means if you do it in a way that's harmful and destructive and uh, abusive, but if you do it in a way that's constructive, it's mutter. And Ramosha therefore says that's the justification for plastic surgery. Now, it's, it's fascinating and perplexing. I've never seen anyone address this. Right before, the tshuva immediately before, the way they published the Igris Moshe, right before Ramosha had the previous tshuva, is a tshuva about, about dieting. They asked Ramosha, are you allowed to diet? The included in Choval Batma was fasting, even depriving yourself from wine, certainly fasting. Fasting without a good reason is Asr. So they asked Ramosha, so dieting, a person is going to deprive him or herself of food in order to look better, is that mutter? Ramosha's not sure. Ramosha goes back and forth. He says, certainly if it's recommended by your physician, it's for your health, it's certainly mutter. Just like any surgical medical procedure, it's done for your health, is mutter. But if you're just doing it for aesthetic reasons, you think you're going to look better that way, he says, he's not sure. Maybe it is chavul smoke. Ramosha goes back and forth. He makes subtle distinctions between whether you just are not having something that tastes good or whether you actually feel deprivation and hunger. He goes back and forth. Ramosha comes out that there is basis to be lenient, but he does not give a, 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 a wholehearted, full-throated endorsement. He says, maybe there's, there's basis to be lenient, he says. But he does not sound like he's totally on board, despite the fact that it's not for destructive purposes, and it's not for, it's, a, it, 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 it's, 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 it's constructive, just like plastic surgery is. So for some reason, in Ramosha's plastic surgery tshuva, he's more unequivocal about Pascaline Mutter, it seems, while in his dieting tshuva, he seems less so, even though one would think it's easier to be matter dieting in plastic surgery. Okay. I'll call upon him. So we have Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rav Chacham Avadia, Rav Greenblatt, all say that the earrings are mutter. The, the Rav Shlomo Aviner, a prominent and prolific Svardik postic, contemporary postic in Eretz Israel, he has a whole set of short, uh, he answers a lot of tshuvas by SMS and text messages and so on. He has a lot of these short, punchy tshuvas. Fun to read, although sometimes they lack a little bit in uh, analytical rigor. So he has a bunch of tshuvas about earrings. And he says, can you have earrings? Yes, but only in the regular place. If it's, if it's in an unusual place and it's uh, provocative and draws attention, it's usher. He says, not because it's sneers. He, he seems to be ushering because he brings, a famous, he brings a famous tshuva of the marik, which we've discussed many times. Marik was asked about chukas ha'akum, chukas ha'gayim. The Torah says twice, there's an isser to copy 
the, the, the customs of the non-Jews. What does that mean? That we, wear, we wear suits like they wear. We drive cars like they wear. We eat uh, hamburgers like they eat. You know, what, what's, the, what's the Isra of Kukzagai? When, when does something become Asr? So it's a, it's a tremendously difficult and, and, and tricky topic, but many postkim, including the Ramah, follow a ruling of the Marik. The Marik says, if the custom is inherently harmless and neutral, just a style or just a or has a logical basis. There's no answer of chuksagayim. Chuksagayim is when the custom is either bizarre and senseless, so it smacks of superstition and idolatry, and we have to keep away from that. Or if it's somehow un-Jewish, if it's uh, if it lacks refinement, if it's uh, vulgar and, and showy and provocative, it's considered un-Jewish. Those types of customs are asu. Marik uses the term shachatz vegava. The gadim garments, if they are shachatz vegava, if they're arrogant and flaunting and, uh, and vulgar and not refined, that's the iser of chuksagayim. But if it's uh, if it's uh, proper and refined, even if it's their style, there's no iser. So Rav Shlomo says, if you wear a ring in a normal place, that's mutter. If you wear a ring in an unusual place, copying a, a provocative style, that's like this category of shachatz vegava. That's aser. He says, but, but how do you know, he says, what part of the air is normal? It's subjective, things change. Yeah, he says, it depends on whatever, is, whatever the current societal standards are. Can you have a second hole for two earrings, he says? Yes, as long as your earrings are tenua, they're not uh, attention-grabbing, he says. That's also even if there's only one of them, he says. And if, they, if they're proper, two of them are fine as well. Then he tells a great story. He quotes, the, he or, or the editor who put together these chuvas uh, quotes, quotes a story. Baravar Lichtenstein, the, the great, uh, great Rosh Hashiva posek and great, great thinker and ethicist in, uh, of a bar generation in, in Eretz Yisrael, the Rosh Hashiva of Haratzion. He says he once had an argument with his daughter. His daughter wanted to, like many parents have had, I think, his daughter wanted to pierce her ears. And Rav Aaron said, I was not, I was not comfortable with it. I, I had issues. He doesn't say what his issues were. But Ravaran did not think it was right. So they agreed, they were at an impasse, they agreed that they would go to Shlomo Zalman Orbach and they would follow whatever he said. They went to Shlomo Zalman. Shlomo Zalman, he said, Ravaran relates, Shlomo Zalman couldn't even understand the question, he said. Like, What's your question, he says. By us, boys get brismila and girls get their ears pierced, he says. Strange thing to say, but that's, that's, that's the story that Ravaran Lichtenstein would relate I guess it was probably Rosh Zalman's uh, humorous attempt at humor to kind of uh, tease Ravaran and tell him that it's just as Jewish and legitimate as bris is. But obviously, it's not a great mitzvah like bris Anyway, so the, the minhag clearly is the minhag clearly is that we do earrings and the poskim, by and large, justified, even though Ravaran Lichtenstein seems to have had some issues. Rav Havinar goes on, though, and he says, what about nose rings? Can you have a nose ring? Rivka had a nose ring. Says Rav Aviner, no, you cannot have a nose ring. It is chukus It's considered shachat. It's considered uh, unrefined and and, 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 uh, and vulgar. So too, he says, a belly a ring in your belly, a ring in your tongue, begaba kedome. They're all aser. I Rivka Imeinu. Rivka had one. It's societal. Again, he says, it's the, in the time of Rivka, as the Rishonim said, Safas Paneach and Rosef Kara was normal in, in the Middle East at that time. It was normal. Today, in modern Western European Israeli society, it's not normal, according to Rav Aviner. Therefore, it's, it falls under the category of chukus Okay? Similarly, he says, can a man wear an earring? No. 
He says, Isur Torah, Chukas Hagayim, Mishim Shachat. The same standard, since men do not wear earrings, it is Chukas Hagayim. Again, Rav Aviner admits that these things are societal and subjective. These things are changing. I don't know what year he wrote this, but in my lifetime, certainly these things have changed. Today, I think it's quite common for, for men to wear earrings. I'm not even talking about uh, full drag or full, full cross-dress. I mean, even men who are you know, ordinary, ordinary heterosexual, you know, ordinary men, it is a style in many circles for, for men to wear earrings. I don't, it might not be universal, but it's, uh, it's quite common these days. So one can debate whether it still really is prohibited under shachatz v'gav or not. But I'll call upon him. Rav Aviner admits, in principle, piercing any body part would be okay, except he feels that certain body parts, since it's not a, a, a conventional and refined style, it, it's an iser of chuksagayim because of shachatz and gav. We find similar discussions in other abanim, other, other people who deal with this topic as well, in, in an Ask the Rabbi column. By a, uh, by a by answered by by someone named Ayal Moshe. I'm not sure who he is. So a woman asked, "Why is there a negative attitude? Uh, why is there a negative attitude toward nose rings in our society and a positive one toward earrings?" Rivka, Rivka had a nose ring. He says. So what's the problem? I I think I, I think this woman said that earrings are are, are more uh, provocative. They, the way they sway and dangle. He said the nose ring, a small nose ring, is a discreet little thing. She said. What's what's the what, what's the issue? What, what is this issue with uh, what is this issue with uh, with nose ring? She says, "What's the problem?" Rivka had one. He answered, "Mikra din, you're right. Mikra din, nose rings are mentioned in Tanakh. Nose rings are not inherently problematic." He says, "But the but these types of things, tneus and refined behavior, is subjective." If you dress the way they dressed in Tanakh, you go around wearing a long robe and whatever they wore then. He says it might be historically accurate, he says, but people are going to look at you and you're going to draw attention to yourself and that's not appropriate. Furthermore, he says, the, the, the culture of piercing, he says, is uh, you're, you're, it, 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 it's associated with a certain segment of society, a, it's a kind of transgressive and provocative style, he says, it's not the way uh, you know, normal, refined people, refined people do things, he says. If you want to imitate uh, scientists and businessmen, he says, it's one thing, but to copy the kind of the counterculture, the, I think it is true, piercing has traditionally been associated with, uh, more with the counterculture and rebellion, and therefore he says, uh, that's not appropriate. Hard to say it's austere, but he says it's not appropriate. And he admits, he, he admits, he, he has the wisdom to admit that he says, it is possible that as time passes, even religious women will, will wear nose rings, it'll be considered, it, won't be, it will lose its... Uh, transgressive and provocative character and it, it won't be attention grabbing and uh, eye catching then it'll be fine he says but today in his opinion the Matthias is not like that the Matthias is that it's a, a problematic custom and therefore you should not therefore you should not uh, you should not wear a nose ring okay that's a you know, reasonable uh, reasonable um, reasonable position certainly and that's, you know, other Rabbanim, other Rabbanim make, make similar points as well. An article by Rabbi Chaim Steinmetz. He says also, body piercing, he says, we're not going to get into certain other concerns, which we'll touch on in a moment, like Kibbut Avaim and safety. But Chovel uh, Batmo, the primary issue is Chovel Batmo. But not so simple, he says. Operations, even cosmetic surgery. He brings the discussions about cosmetic surgery. And he says that the... He says that the 
that posts can take different positions, but he says that the that for the sake of beauty, it's, it's, probably, it's, it's at least arguable that it's okay. He says if it's done to associate with a subculture of masochism and self-destruction, it would violate the prohibition against women. And yes, so clearly, if it's a form of self-harm, a form of mutilation, it would be austere. But I think the vast majority of people who do the piercings, I don't know, maybe, not, maybe not the vast majority, but I think it's safe to say that the majority, certainly today, piercings are considered a form of uh, aesthetics, and therefore, arguably, it should be, arguably, it should be mutter. Arguably, it should be mutter. The... There are a couple of tshuvas of conservative rabbis that I saw, some of the more you know, rigorous and serious of the conservative rabbis, who write among the more, uh, the more analytical, the more, more so than most of the, most of the orthodox rabbis that I've seen, who analyze this question of piercings for, piercings for women. They, they point out, or, or men, they point out other body parts, they point out that we find, uh, we find you know, plenty of biblical and, and rabbinic precedent. And uh, he says, while, while there are many today who would find the biblical custom of nose piercing unacceptable, as we saw Rishonim had trouble conceiving about it, many young people today find it attractive. Some are uncomfortable with men having their ears pierced. This is Rabbi Alan Lucas, a conservative rabbi. Even this has a precedent in traditional literature, which is certainly true. He says it's hard to argue from a halakhic perspective that there's a substantial difference between the ear or the nose he says non-permanent. I'm not sure why he says non-permanent, but uh, he says the fact that we don't find it attractive, that, that's not, that does not cover the halacha. He says we could, we, we could raise certain issues. Health, he says. And the person is supposed to have a telemelochim if you're piercing private body parts, which is inherently untenious, he says, that uh, tenius is an important Jewish value, so they may violate tenius, he says, piercing certain private parts of the body. Okay, so he says at some point you pierce too much of your body, it's too much of a violation of the Tzalem Elohim, he feels. This is more of a conservative-style argument, but he's actually using it to be machmer rather than mekil, which is, which is noteworthy. Therefore, his, his opinion is, Rabbi Lucas, it's not prohibited, but it raises concerns. Legitimate concerns about Tineus and other traditional Jewish values should be taken into consideration and guide one's choices. At all times, a Jew should remember that we have created the Tzalem Elohim. We are called upon to incorporate this understanding into all our decisions, he may be a conservative rabbi, but it's hard to argue with that, uh, with that paragraph. A, an even longer and more detailed response was written by Rabbi David Golinkin. Rabbi Golinkin is one of the most prominent of the, of the serious conservative rabbis. He, he's, uh, he, he's a relatively serious halachist. He has a long tshuva. Can you pierce body parts, he says. And he says, I'm going to divide my, my tshuva, he says, into six sections. Ear and nose piercings for girls and women one. Ear, uh, ear, ear and nose piercing for girls and women is one. Ear and nose piercing for boys and men is two. Mora aim. Three, piercing other parts of the body is four. Medical complications is five. Summary and practical halacha is six. For women, he says, it's clear. Ears and nose for women, that's the strongest case. Plenty of precedent. It's clearly mutter. He brings from Tanakh, Chazal, Rishonim and Achronim. We know it was the minhag, like Ravadi said, Pukhazi, Mayamadabar. Clearly, mut. Boys and men, it's more complicated, a little more. Same thing, he says, there are plenty of sources that in earlier times they did it. They did it, he says, and even though there were those who banned it for men if it was women's garb, because there's a prohibition about men wearing women's clothing, that's cultural. It depends on. Post can also say men, that men can't use a mirror because women are the ones who use mirrors for primping. Today, they say, many posts can say a man, man can because today men use mirrors as well. 
So he, he's lenient on this one as well, since today it's, it's customary for both women and men to wear earrings and nose rings. Everything follows the, 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 the minhag, and therefore that's mutter as well. So, so far, I pretty much agree with that. His third section is about Mora Ave. This was mentioned briefly by Rabbi Steinmetz, an Orthodox rabbi, but he mentions the concern for Mora Ave. If your parents, if your parents don't like it, then you are flouting their authority. He says it's awesome. He says that if their parents object, they must obey in order to observe the commandment of Mora Aveim, and he brings sources for this. The truth is, we've discussed this in the past, there's actually a major machlok saposkim as to whether such a thing would fall under the category of Mora Aveim. When the Gemara gives examples of Mora Aveim, the Gemara says, don't do things that show disrespect to your parents, don't sit in his place, don't, don't, uh, don't call him by his name, I think. One of the examples is, that you can't be so serious Dvarov. You can't contradict him. So, you know, so my son, we, I've talked this to him, he tries to be very careful about this. He says, he'll, he'll, he'll say, very hesitantly, intentionally, like, Abba, I don't mean to, to contradict you, or, but you know, I, I think you're driving the wrong way, possibly down a street that says you know, one way the other way, or something like that. But uh, so he, he tries very hard to, to follow this halacha. But there is a halacha that you can't, uh, that you can't contradict your parents. So there's a major machlok saposkim though, Rishonim and Achronim. What does low socialist varav mean? The classic example is your father says Donald Trump was a great president, and you say he was the worst president we ever had, or vice versa. Your father says Joe Biden was the greatest president of the republic, and you say uh, no, he's not. He's uh, he's he's demented. So uh, so the question. So that's low socialist varav. The question is, if your father says, do this, your mother says, wear a sweater. A sweater is something you wear when your mother's cold. Your mother says, wear a sweater. And you don't want to wear the sweater. You're not going to say, no, Ima, you're wrong. It's uh, 75 degrees outside. You're just going to smile, but then go your own way and not wear the sweater. Is that a violation of Mora, Kibur of Mora Aveim? This is a major Maklaksa poskim. Some poskim say that covered in Mora only apply when they're, when, either when, when their actual cover is involved, like sitting in their seat or standing up for them or feeding them, giving them something they need, but just obeying what they want you to do is not mandated by the mitzvahs of, of, kibur, of kibur or Mora Aveim. Others say it is. Others say it's Lososuris Varav or it's a form of covered. Others say that it is. One of the first to discuss this is a, is a tshuva of the Marik, famous tshuva, we've discussed this a number of times as well. Marik was asked about a man who wanted to marry a certain woman, he was in love with a certain woman. His father objected to the match, we're not told why. He wanted to know if he was obligated to break off the relationship, to not marry her because of his father's sensibilities. Marik said, no, you should not listen to your father, you don't have to and you shouldn't. Marik gave three reasons. One reason was because there is no general obligation to obey a parent. If his father, if, if his covenant is involved, he says, make me food, help me, help me do something. If his covenant is involved or his mother is involved, yes. But obeying his general orders, letting him run your life, is not included in covenant and murder. Other posts can disagree. It's a, it is a machlokas. But, so, Rabbi Golinkin here seems to side with the view, in his view, that murder does include not doing things that your parents object to, but again, it is highly debated. The, the truth is, even according to those who say that you don't have to listen to your father, there are those who say that if not listening to him will actually bring him disgrace, then according to everyone you have to listen to him. So for example, the Nitziv, the Nitziv has a tshuva about a similar case to the Marik, where the father objected to the woman his son wanted to marry. So the Nitziv says, if I recall correctly, that even according to the Marik, that you don't have to, he says, 
That's only where the father objects. But if the marriage will actually bring disgrace on uh, the family, says if there'll be if there'll be uh, <coughs> if there's something shameful about the marriage, it'll actually bring shame to the father. That is certainly included in either covered or marav. Okay, which one he says? So maybe in this case also, if your parents will will be embarrassed if, 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 when if their son walks around with a ring in his nose, maybe this would apply as well. It's not just listening to your father, but if you're actually going to cause some shame. He won't be able to show his head in his in his country club or in his shul because his son is wearing a pierced uh, as a pierced nose. Maybe 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 post can, maybe there there are many posts who probably would agree with that, but it's not so simple. The, the idea that a person is just obligated to obey a parent when their honor is not directly involved is actually a major machlokas among the post. Section four: piercing other parts of the body. He talks about tzniyus as well. He says that the, certainly if you're piercing the, the genitals, he says. People do that when they're not married, he says. The Vad HaHalacha of the Republic of the Rabbinical Assembly of Israel, that's the conservative uh, body of Halachis, have expressed opposition to premarital sex. They are opposed to, to, uh, to intimacy outside marriage, and therefore this is a violation of tzniyas for unmarried people. For a married couple, maybe it's okay, but for a, for a married couple, to, for, not, for, for a single person to do this is a violation of tzniyas, to pierce those private parts of the body, and therefore it is problematic. Again, it's not a completely rigorous argument, but it's certainly one in the spirit of the laws of Tzniyas. Medical complications. He has a lot to say about this. He, he, he develops the point at length that you have to take care of your body, and he not let it cause harm and risk. Therefore, he quotes a bunch of studies about the infection rates and the speech disorders of the mouth and, and, and all kinds of problems and and so on, and HIV, and, uh, and so on, and so on. Therefore, he says, if you are going to pierce, you know, there are real issues here, he says, and you pr- it might be better to avoid it, but if you are going to do it, make sure at least you follow best practices. He gives you a whole bunch of best practices. An autoclave should be used to sterilize non-disposable equipment, use sterile disposable needles, hand-washing, hypoallergenic jewelry, good. Look, and look, look, you, can, you can learn the rules for yourself, do things that are safe, and certainly you should try to stay safe. Again, yeah, I think we can all uh, I think we can all agree with that. We can all agree with that. So that's his conclusion. He says, ears and nose is mutter, men and women. Parents have to, children and adolescents have to listen to their to their parents. I'm not sure why he said children and adolescents. The mitzvah morav aim applies equally to adults. If you really believe that your parents have the right to make demands on you, I'm not sure why that's limited to child children and adolescents. I'm not sure why he thinks there's a difference. All right. Piercing private parts of the body is not in line with Tzniyas and the numerous medical risks, you should A, possibly avoid them, and B, because of the mitzvah of you should avoid doing things that are dangerous and take precautions. Again, he's a conservative rabbi, but most of what he says is certainly well in line with orthodoxy on this matter. Hard to argue with most of what he says. Incidentally, he makes an interesting point where, where, where he talks about the imperative to 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 preserve life and to and to and, and to be safe. He says that the says in Zvarim he shamer lecho shmar nafshchem od and shmartem od lenafshosechem. People often quote Achronim often Shonim Achronim often quote these psukim as a source for the obligation to be safe. He points out it's not Pasha B'Shayim the Psukim. The Psukim are talking about not doing about Dazar. Remember what you saw at Harsinai. You didn't see any images and stay away from idol worship. The Psukim are not Kipshuto talking about physical harm. But, ne- but nevertheless, it is true that the, that the Rishonim and Akronim have understood the Psukim this way. 
they, they, they have understood these psukim as being a basis for a, a, an obligation to maintain physical safety. That is the halacha, that a person is obligated to maintain physical safety. And therefore, certainly, if you're going to do piercings, you have to make sure you do it in a way that is as safe as possible. So again, the bottom line is, people in Tanakh had piercings. Again, during a riot from Rivka, she was not Jewish at the time. She lived in a house full of pagans. It's not, it's not, uh, it, you can't bring a halachic proof, but it was apparently common. We don't find any uh, rejection of this as being un-Jewish somehow. Then li- when Elias was bringing he, well, right. so, he, even, he, so even if the proof is not from her, the suggestion is the proof is from him. He surely learned from Avram, wouldn't have brought gifts that were against the Torah. Yet, maybe that's, a, maybe that's a, uh, an argument. But yeah, the bottom line is that the most, you know, most writers have said that in principle, piercings are clearly okay. Not chovel ba'atzmo, the risk is not such, something we worry about, even though in, in those times the risk was certainly much higher than today. They didn't understand about sterilization and so on. Apparently the risk was seen to be, either they didn't know about the risk or it was seen to be low enough that it was not required to, uh, to be, a, not requisite to avoid it. Earrings, nose rings, again, some Rishonim never heard of nose rings, so they explain the Pesukim differently, but others say they were nose rings. So they're the mutter for men, for women. And that's clearly the halacha. There's, there's no objective difference between men and women, kipshuto, and there's no, no real difference between ears or nose or even other body parts. Lamaisa, though, poskim are, are less happy about other, about other parts of the body, even noses, certainly other parts of the body, A, because what, what the significance of those piercings in a given cultural context, certain parts of the body are tzniyas issues, and you can't, you can't get past the fact that there are, we, we can't ignore the fact that there are certain dangers as well. So it's hard to argue that it's strictly usher, and certainly as these various piercings become more and more common, they, it, it's, it's harder and harder to make a case that they're actually usher, but there, uh, there are all these considerations, there are all these considerations that should be taken into account.